Oftentimes, as a church, we can experience a divine moment like we just did in that hymn. And we can very easily get to the schedule and miss something fantastic. Think about the words that were just sung. Close your eyes. Think about how great God is. Think about all that he has done for you. And think about these words. That God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take this in. That on that cross, my burden, he gladly bearing, bled and died to take away my sin. One day Christ shall come. He will come to take us home. And then we shall bow in humble adoration and proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Think about those words. Think about what we just heard. And so, Father God, as we love you and we thank you, we pray, God, that you would not um, let us get captivated by things of this world, to not be so overwhelmed by the things in our schedule and by the things uh, that, that we brought with us this morning that we would miss how great you are. We pray, God, that you would in this moment speak to each one of us in the way that we need to hear you. And so, Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he bled and died to take away our sin. And we thank you for giving us purpose in our life, God. You are so good, and we do adore you, Lord. We thank you for the privilege to worship and serve this morning. So be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are. I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and on behalf of Christ Church, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, we're in our series in the last week of What on Earth Am I Here For? This is the last week that we're going to talk about uh, this purpose. And the purpose that we're talking about this morning is the purpose of mission. Um, or a different word that we can put to it is evangelism. And as you know, over the past few weeks, we've talked about that question of why on earth am I here? All of us ask the question, we look in the mirror in the morning and we say, what is that? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And as we've learned, God, in fact, has created us on purpose with a plan and he has created us for his, his glory. He's created us to be the objects of his affection, as we learned in week one, as we talked about worship. We were created for God's pleasure. In fact, that's why we're here this morning. We're not here so that we can be entertained. We're not so here so that we can hear a great choir. We're not here so that we can hear some young guy get up there and talk about the Bible. What you're here for is, is to worship God. All that other stuff are just bonuses. But we are created to be a part of God's family. We are created for his pleasure and we're created to worship 
him. And so when you come on a Sunday morning, you come not just expecting to get, get, get. You come expecting to give, lifting your voice to God, singing his praise. And so as creatures created by God, we're created for the purpose of worship. Another purpose that we're created for is fellowship. We are created as God's family. We are created not to simply watch God at a distance, but we're created to be in community with him. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, there was a curtain that separated the the Ark of the Covenant, which was the dwelling place of God and man. And when Christ was crucified, that curtain was torn, and and we had our ultimate intercessor. We had our ultimate person that we had to go through in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we now can go directly to God, and he, he invites us to his dinner table. I remember I went to training camp with some of the Steelers. I knew a couple of the guys, and I remember standing on the sidelines with all of Pittsburgh there, and one of the Steelers pointed at me, and he said, hey, come here. And so I walked over, and, and I hung out with the team, and it was just this neat moment where I was on the sidelines. I was a nobody, but I was invited to be a part of something. When I walked over to this player, I just felt so significant and so important. Look at me. How much more significant is each one of us when God, the creator of the universe, the creator of anything, sees you standing and he calls you by name and he says, come to my dinner table. I want to prepare a place in my house for you. We are a part of of God's family, and one of our purposes in this life is to fellowship as God's children. We are to have fun together as Christians, worshiping God. That's excellent news. I hope many of you took the challenge when I preached in here about that. I said, go to lunch with somebody after church. I hope you took me up on that challenge, and I challenge that to you again this week. Go be in fellowship with one another. As we come to the realizations we're created for God's purpose in worship, we're created for God's purpose in in growing together as a family, we're also created to grow in our knowledge and understanding of, of who Jesus is, why we're following him. And if you remember, we told you that through the word of God, we are called to be discipled by what the Lord has to say to us. That we are to be alongside of other brothers and sisters in Christ. As it says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we're called to a life of discipleship. One of our purposes is to be disciples of Christ. We're to be like Jesus. Last week we learned that because God has called us into that family, that as a family we all, we all have things that we need to be doing. And we need to be engaged in ministry. Now that can take on all kinds of different forms, but as believers in God, you are called to do ministry. You are called to be serving. I think of two particular ministries in our church that just make me smile. And the first one is, is when I come over on a Sunday morning, I'm greeted by people at the door. We have a tremendous opportunity for you to serve by simply smiling in the morning and saying, God loves you, we're glad you're here. Isn't that cool? ministry by greeting people. And I want to encourage you, we need greeters right now at this church. And there's a lot of you that have fantastic smiles and a love of the Lord, and I'm here to tell you, you can use that to minister to people. So get out there and do it. Stop sitting on the sidelines because Jesus has called you to the table. He's called you to ministry. We need greeters. We need those beautiful faces out there just smiling for the Lord. 
The second ministry I think of is the diaper changers. <laughs> what an incredible ministry. Here's somebody that has been given the gift of compassion for little kids who will change a poopy diaper so that a mother and father who are stressed beyond belief can sit upstairs in a service, maybe for the first time, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're able to do that because someone was willing to love them by loving their child so that they could be fully attentive to what God wants to say. I love poopy diaper ministry. And you should too. Each one of you is called by God to be involved in a ministry. Today we're going to talk about mission. And I'm going to give it a different word. I'm going to call it evangelism because you see, ministry and eva- or mission and, and ministry are very similar. And I'm going to depict them this way. Ministry happens inside the walls of the church. We do ministry to one another, don't we? we? We love on one another. But this evangelism thing causes us to go outside the walls of our church. And as believers in the risen king, we are called by God to share our faith with people who don't believe in it. We are called by God to share our faith with people who think differently than us. So this morning, we're going to talk about what it looks like for us as believers. And as believers, we claim that we've accepted Christ in our heart. And therefore, if we've accepted Christ in our heart, that means our heart is different. Our heart is changed. Some have said that God changes our heart, but the reality is, he literally gives you a brand new heart that cares about the things that he cares about. And as believers who have a changed heart, we are called by God to go and share the gospel message to evangelize as one of our purposes on this earth. Two years ago, Pastor Robbie came to me. I had a fish tank in my office, saltwater fish tank. And I love saltwater fish tank. It's one of these passions in my life. If, if you're a fish tank person, you know that saltwater fish are so much more vibrantly colored. They're, they're, so, more, they're so much more active. They, just, they look different. They're, just, they're really the cream of the crop of the fish tank world. Saltwater fish and corals is where, it at, is where it's at. And, and i got to tell you, for a long time, I grew my own coral, and, and I had my own fish, and, and I really loved spending time working on my aquarium. And the reality is it wasn't that much time, but if I put a little time into my aquarium... It It was amazing how much more vibrant the life was in my aquarium. And so as I did that in my office, Pastor Robbie says to me one day, hey, why does your fish tank look so much better than mine? Well, I said, Pastor Robbie, I I have a saltwater fish tank. You have a freshwater fish tank. In a saltwater fish tank, there's just, there's more life in it. It's just different. And he says these words to me. Well, I heard that it's almost impossible or it's just really hard to do a saltwater fish tank. And I said, no, that's actually a great lie in the fish tanking community, that it's really hard to do. In fact, if you have enough time in your day to look at your fish tank, you have enough time to do a saltwater fish tank. He said, really? You think I can do it? I said, come on, I'll show you. And so to this day, Pastor Robbie has a beautiful saltwater fish tank in his office with sailfin tangs. He's got shrimp in it. He's got crabs. It's beautiful. He was willing to put a little time into something that he was told was really hard and difficult, but then he quickly came to the realization that with the brother walking alongside of him, it produced life. It was vibrant. So a couple months ago now, Pastor Jared says to me, why does your fish tank look so much better than mine? 
Well, Pastor Jared, it's a saltwater fish tank. Well, I heard that's impossible to do. No. If you've got time to look at your fish tank, you've got time to take care of your fish tank. And, and so over a couple of months, Pastor Jared and I, I walked him through the process and, and how just taking care of these things and, and being diligent with really little things. And now Pastor Jared in his office has a very vibrant, life-giving, color-filled fish tank with clownfish and shrimp and something called a bangai cardinal fish and, and one fish that's real mean to the other fish. And it's just, it is a beautiful fish tank. And so I was so pleasantly surprised this morning when I walked in to prep for church. I always stop in and say hi to Jared. I stopped in, and there he's having a conversation with his dad. And this is how that conversation went. I'm telling you, Dad, it's so easy to do saltwater fish tanks. His dad says these words. I heard it was difficult. Jared says, if you have time to look at your saltwater fish tank, you've got time to take care of a saltwater fish tank. And they began to talk about how his dad's going to now set up a fish tank, a saltwater fish tank. Listen to me, Christians. If you've got time to look in the mirror in the morning, you've got time to take care of your soul. And I promise you this, there's a lot of people out there in the world that are going to tell you it's impossible to live like Christ, that it's too hard, but you can do this. And when you do live according to what the gospel says, it's going to be more beautiful, it's going to be very vibrant, it's going to be life-giving. And all the people around you are going to look at your life and they're going to ask this question, why does your fish tank look different than mine? Because I'm investing time and in, in, in proper growth. Evangelizing is not as hard as we make it. Sharing our faith with the world is not nearly as hard as we make it. In fact, that it's hard to share your faith, that's a rumor, because God tells us in his word that, that it is our obligation, it is our duty to share the good news of Jesus, and that when God puts us in a situation, he's not going to abandon us in that situation. In fact, God will give you the power. He will give you the words. And this should be comforting for you to know. You can't save anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can do that through you. In fact, the only thing you're being asked to do is being willing to let God give it a try through you. Isn't that encouraging this morning? You can't mess it up. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to our scripture today. It's found in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 16. And as we look at this, there's a phrase that starts in verse 16. It says, so from now on. So in order to understand so from now on, I think we need to go back a couple of verses to see what that launching point is. And it says this in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one, we are in, oh, excuse me, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So as believers in Christ, we are called by God to no longer live for ourselves. We're to live for Christ. And if we're to live for Christ, we're to obey his commands. And if you remember, he commanded us two things, love God and love others. So as believers, we are called to be like Christ by serving others. And so Jesus, or this is, excuse me, so Paul says these words to us. And I want you to think about that context, that your heart, once you accept Christ, is no longer the same. 
You have been given a new heart. And if you're surely repentant and you've surely given your life to Christ, your heart is going to desire the things of God. And so often as Christians, we look at the world and we look at freshwater fish tank people and we judge them or we're harsh on them. We look at the world and we're very critical of them. We hold them in bad esteem and we say, look how evil that sinner is. When we really should have the eyes of Christ and look at them as the little lost children that God sees them as. There's not a single one of us in this room that if we saw a child sitting on the middle of a highway would not stop our car and help that baby because they're in danger, right? Do you realize that's how God sees the unsaved? As lost children whom he wants to rescue. And he has chosen the church to be the vessel that goes out and tells them the good news of Jesus. Wouldn't you stop to help that baby? As a church, we need to start looking at unbelievers, of people who don't know Jesus in that way, with love, compassion. No matter how broken and messed up they could be, anybody can be saved, because that's how big my God is. Amen? Verse 16 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You catch that? We're not supposed to look at these broken, sinful folks as rejects, as unlovable, as ugly and gross. But as believers, we're supposed to look with, on them with compassion and mercy and grace and say, oh, you're so lost. Let me show you how to be found. We don't always do that, do we, church? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Are you able to see the new creation in the brokenness that's out there? Maybe some of you are real estate agents, and you always tell people when they walk in the house, well, think about the potential. (laughs) As a Christian, when we look at a non-believer, we have to constantly ask ourselves, can we see the potential of Jesus Because this person was made in the image of God. And when we don't tell them about Jesus, in fact, that's actually cruel. And you're kind of playing God, as Pastor Ed likes to put it. We need to be telling people about Jesus because we are a new creation. We have been forgiven. We have been given a new heart. And they too can be given a new heart. And God has given you a blessing by allowing you to play a part in that. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what reconciliation is? Reconciliation is the writing of a relationship. Every single one of us has sinned and we've fallen and we're broken and we all have been on that opposite side. But because of Jesus dying on the cross, our relationship with God is reconciled because of what Jesus did. And all we had to do was accept that gift. Somebody in your life loved you enough to pull you aside and tell you about the freedom that is found in the cross, that is found in Jesus Christ. Think about if that person decided it was too hard that day to share the gospel. Where would you be today? According to God's sovereignty, you'd still be here. But you hear what I'm saying. God wants to use you to share the good news of Jesus with the lost. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. 
as though God were making his appeal through us. That's what the scripture just told us. We're God's ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? He's somebody that speaks with the authority of the nation that he represents. He speaks with the authority of the king or the president or whatever you want to call it. And for all intents and purposes, he is the kingdom. God is telling us through his word that we are his ambassadors. In 1 Peter, he says, when we speak, we ought to speak as if we are one speaking the very words of God. Because when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're brought into the family, and you're now an ambassador for the family. So every moment of your life, you are an ambassador for Christ. You are evangelizing to people whether you realize it or not. The question I ask you is, are you evangelizing for your kingdom, or are you evangelizing for God's kingdom? Because you're always sending a message. But whose message are you sending? If you've been redeemed, if you've been reconciled, you are an ambassador of Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. God helped us. He sent us Jesus. And he closes by saying, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This last purpose is the purpose of mission. We are called by God, according to his word, to let our little light shine. To tell the story that we have been redeemed. Did you see how that little fish tank analogy worked? I simply was who I said I was. I was researching. I was read up. I knew how to be who I said I was. And as Christians, we need to be in the word of God, living our lives as believers. You want to know how evangelism, sharing your faith gets really easy? Be who you are. Here's the deal. There's people all around you in every walk of life that you you participate in, whether your job, whether your hobbies, whether your whatever, people are seeing you. And if you simply let your fish tank be vibrant and full of life, somebody is going to ask you the question, why does your tank look different? Why does your life look different? And it's in that moment that you need to ask God to give you the words, that you need to ask God to give you the strength, and you need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Jesus. And you need to say to them, well, at one point, I was a dirty fish tank. I was a dirty life. I was broken. I was messed up. And to be honest, I was still broken and messed up. But God fixes me. Jesus set me free through his blood on the cross. And as you begin to live your faith and share your faith verbally, hand in hand, those people are going to come to know Jesus. And one morning you're going to walk in and you're going to hear somebody that you led to Christ saying to somebody else, it's not impossible. It is easy. You can do this because God will do it through you. I think as a church, sometimes we use the excuse of it's too hard It's just that, and it's an excuse, and the reality is it shouldn't be. Because if someone laid down their life for you in a scenario of war, you would talk about it. Some of you are war heroes in this room, and and you do talk about it. How much greater should we talk about Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life for us? We're not called to save people. 
We're not responsible for the decision that they make. We're simply responsible for being obedient to be willing to talk about it. When Jesus said to the disciples, we're going to feed 5,000 people. I want you to get your oven mitts out and your baking goods and we're, you guys are going to bake the food. He didn't say that to them. He said, go get the stuff. I'll do it. Go bring the stuff to me. And so as believers, it's important for us to remember that there's really two things that God's asking us to do. He's asking us to go in his name and he's asking us to bring people to Jesus. Again, I want to point out, not a single one of us in here can cause somebody to accept Jesus. But the word of God tells us that we are to bring people to Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, work at bringing others to Christ. Live your life and take non-believers with you. Do you realize evangelizing is simply living your life as a believer and inviting a non-believer to go with you? Maybe you play adult league hockey and you have a neighbor down the street who needs to know about the Lord, who plays hockey. Hey, you want to go play hockey? You've got to put yourself in a situation where you can develop that relationship, where you can earn the right to be heard or where that question can be asked. Maybe some of you are really good gardeners. Have you ever asked the the, the single mom down the road if she wants to come down and garden with you? Because chances are she probably does. Maybe there's no one pouring into her life and she just wants a friend. She wants a mentor. Maybe there's somebody at work that is really struggling with something and they just need somebody to talk to. Could you be that person? Maybe you ride a bike. Maybe you you pedal like 90 miles in an afternoon. Take a non-believer with you. It's that simple. By inviting non-believers into our lives to, to, to do life with us, they're going to see something different in us. And by doing that, we're going to bring them to the feet of Jesus. And one day they're going to look at you And they're going to ask this question. Why does your fish tank look different than mine? And you're going to have an answer. Because God doesn't abandon us when he brings us into a situation. We're called to bring people to Jesus. We're also called to go to people for Jesus. As his ambassadors, we are called to go to Jesus. We all know the scripture in Acts 1.8 where he says, uh, excuse me, Yeah, Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When he's writing this, they're in Jerusalem. And so for each one of us, we're called by God to go to our Jerusalem, where we're at. You are called by God to share the good news of Jesus with your family, with the members of your own household, with, with, with where you're at. Your neighbors... You are called to do that because we're called to take Jesus. Judea. He says, go to Judea. Where's Judea? Well, Judea, you're blessed to live in the great city of Pittsburgh. Are you going into the city? Are you going to the people in the area? And are you sharing Jesus with those people? There's all kinds of ministry opportunities for evangelism, such as like Urban Impact and some of the Widows in Need ministry stuff that we do here, that you can be out involved in the community. I've got a friend in Cranberry who's a pastor, and one of the things he did was he actually got himself into the township leadership so that he could meet people in the community. And, and ultimately, not because he loves politics, but because he wants to share Jesus with non-believers. This same guy also coaches football. Not because he's adamantly passionate about football, though he really loves it, but so that he could be in contact with non-believers because he wants to be in his Judea. Are you involved in your community, wherever that may be? 
Because I promise you this, there is a kid on your street who needs a mentor. Thirdly, it says that we're to go to our Samaria. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritans, the Samaritans and the Jews, they're in very different places, very different cultures. And as Christians, we are called to go to people who are in different cultures than us. Whether they're black, pink, yellow, green, whatever, we are called by God to go and to love on people. Whether they speak English or Spanish or whatever other language they could possibly be speaking, we are called by God to love and go to those folks and share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are called by God to go to the Muslim man down the street and share the good news of Jesus. His culture is very different. Are we going to be brave enough to go and to share the good news that God loves that person? Maybe there's a Buddhist on your block. Maybe there's someone that doesn't even believe in God. Are you going to have the courage to go and to share the good news of Jesus because they are your Judea? I love the ends of the earth because it's very simple. (laughs) We are called by God to go everywhere, whether Africa, whether Aliquippa, whether to Swickley, whether to Uganda, wherever it may be, we are called by God to care about things like poverty. We are called by God to care about things like hunger and illiteracy. We're called by God to care about the medical needs of our world. We're, we're on the edge of a humanitarian crisis that is so magnificent that, that I wonder if we're, as a, as a church, are we engaging in the Ebola epidemic? Is the church leading the way on, on providing medical supplies? Are we leading the way in providing care, understanding that there's risk involved? knowing that God has called us to care for people, both believer and non-believer, everywhere. It's a simple statement that basically tells us that no matter where we're at in life, no matter what the circumstance, we are called to be his ambassadors, excited to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is your purpose in life. In a moment, the ushers are going to come and they're going to have a little gift for you. Because I'm going to challenge you. Actually, no, they're not. Excuse me. When you leave today, the ushers are going to have something. If you want one of these, they're going to have this little booklet. We are in the series, What on Earth Am I Here For? And what we have for you right now is this little book that is just a way of of handing it to somebody, beginning a conversation about their purpose. Because I promise you this, the people you go to work with, the people that you interact with, all have asked this question, why am I alive? And this is a great tool for you to walk up to somebody that you know that may be struggling. You can hand that to them and say, hey, you know, you and I have been talking. I just want to hand this to you. If you want to talk about it, I'd love to talk about it with you. This is a tool that we will have available for you when you leave today. Um, You can grab it off of one of the ushers. The other thing that I want to do with you right now, and if you're in a small group, you're going to do this this week, but we're going to do this this morning, is I want you to think about five things that you do during a week whether it's a hobby, whether it's work, but five things that you do during the week that you could take somebody with you to do. If you have a pen and paper, I actually want you to write it down. Five things that you can do this week that you can take somebody who's a non-believer with you.
Now I want you to think of five people that you can take with you. And write their names down. Who are these five people that I'm going to pray for and that I'm actually going to go or bring to Jesus? You didn't think you were going to get homework this morning, did you? (laughs) Let's pray. God, we love you. You have given us authority. You have given us a calling because salvation is part of your plan. Because evangelism is part of your plan. You have called us, God, to share the good news of Jesus. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, that he died and, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. You said in Matthew in the Great Commission that that I give you all authority, therefore go in my name. You tell us again in Matthew that this has always been a part of your plan. And so God, help us to remember that you do have a plan and that you're not going to abandon us in these moments. But also God, as you tell us, uh, when you give us much, you require much. We pray God that you would help us to know that we do have a responsibility to go into our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and end of the earth and to share the good news of Jesus. And that it doesn't have to be as hard as we make it, but it's simply taking people along with us as we live our Christian life and then talking to them about why we look different. And so God, give us courage and strength. Help us to not make excuses, but help us to go in your name and to share Christ with those five people. In your name we pray. Amen.